Good morning, my relatives. This is Mark Charles, or good afternoon, actually. It's uh, just afternoon a little bit, and I'm sitting down with my second cup of coffee. It is Tuesday, August 29th. Believe it or not, this month is almost over, and I wanted to talk about the first Republican uh, debate of the 2024 primary season. I just finished watching it this morning. Um, it's a bit of a painful event to kind of watch and stomach, but uh, I did take some time to watch the entire thing, and I have a few thoughts I want to share with you. But before I begin, let me do, as I always do, and acknowledge that I'm speaking to you from what's now called Washington, D.C. These are the traditional lands of the Piscataway. I want to honor the Piscataway as the hosts of the land where I'm living. I want to thank them for their stewardship of these lands. And I want to just state how humbled I am to be living on these lands today. So if you have a minute, grab your cup of coffee. And I'd like to talk to you about the Republican debate um, of the first, the first debate of the 2024 primary. Um, it had eight candidates on it. It took place in Madison, Wisconsin last week, Wednesday. I was not able to watch the debate live just because I was traveling on Thursday and I had to spend some time uh, packing and getting stuff ready for my trip coming up. So I wasn't able to watch it that night. And I tried to, I recorded it and I tried to stream it throughout the weekend, but uh, it, was, it was a painful event to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, if just before I get into that, when I, I was traveling last week, I went down to Denver. And I took uh, part in, it's called uh, The Histories of Christianity in Our City. And it's a gathering of a lot of different churches and groups in uh, Denver who are looking at the histories of Christianity, not just a single history, but the stories of different churches and different people and what went into make the faith community within the city of Denver. And they asked me to come in and speak. I, this was their inaugural event. It's a 10-year project. And this was their inaugural event, and they wanted to hear about the influences of the doctrine of discovery and the way that that impacted the church in Denver. And so I, uh, I, I had a chance. I took almost 40 minutes, almost an hour actually, to talk. And I started by referencing the Sand Creek Massacre, um, which was the massacre led by a Methodist pastor of a Union army and uh, was a very violent, helped clear the lands for the eventual settlement of Denver. But um, I then went back and I put all of that massacre in context of the doctrine of discovery and the notion of manifest destiny and the myth of American exceptionalism. And then I ended back around with that massacre. And um, it was a very powerful presentation. And I received a lot of really positive, um, both feedback and encouragement of people who were really had their kind of thoughts, visions changed by that presentation. So anyway, I was very honored to be a part of that. I, I posted a few pictures on my social media. Um, this was a picture of myself um, when I was there. And uh, I had the opportunity to meet, I'm going to share this with you, Brandon Washington. And he is the author of this new book called A Burning House. Um, Redeeming American Evangelicalism by Examining Its History, Mission, and Message. He also spoke that morning. He's a pastor in Denver, and he's one of the founding um, uh, visionaries behind this Histories of Christianity in Our City in Denver. 
and uh, was honored to hear him speak. I was able to buy his book. We got to know each other and talk. And who knows, maybe I'll have him as a guest on the second cup of coffee at some point to talk about his book and about the work he's doing in Denver. But um, yeah, so I just wanted to reference some. That's where I was last week. That's why I couldn't watch the presidential debate live. And then I came back over the weekend and I watched it throughout the weekend and then finished it up this morning. <laughs> so if you watch this debate, right, and this is, I, I've been getting more and more engaged in the political process as I've been um, watching these, these candidates come together. This was the first official presidential debate. Um, there were eight candidates on the stage. Um, in order of popularity or polling, uh, Ron DeSantis was there, Vivek Ramaswamy was there, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, and Doug Burgum. And uh, some of them are people you probably don't know, such as Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson. Um, uh, others have a bit more name recognition, Tim Scott, uh, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence. The surprise of the field and of this debate was Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, he is a 38-year-old businessman. Uh, uh, his parents are immigrants to the United States. Uh, he has built several successful businesses, is quite wealthy. I think he's donated up to $13 million to his campaign so far. And he is a young man who is advocating for generational change within the Republican Party. Um, and uh, on one hand, he was an absolute breath of fresh air. On the other hand, he is claiming to be even more Trump than Trump is. <laughs> And so it was. There was a lot of ways which I think he, if he had a better message, he could actually begin energizing a lot of young people. But he is just as divisive. He is just as um, uh, seeped in the myth of American exceptionalism and all of his other things as Trump is, as well as these other candidates. And I found him to actually be very um, off-putting. I, I was very annoyed by him throughout the entire campaign. I thought he had a real opportunity through the entire debate. And then Ron DeSantis, right, who is the leader of the losers, right? He is he is the second place behind Trump, and he is, um, but he's still trailing Trump in the polls by about 30 or 40 points. Of course, Trump is the presumed nominee of the Republican Party. He did not even come to this debate as he saw it was beneath him. And uh, yeah, he's he's the presume he's the front runner right now of this debate. So he was not there, but these other candidates were. And they had a very wide-ranging discussion, right? And if you watch any of the debates, whether it was last year where the Democrats had a very large pool of candidates debating or now this year it's the Republicans, right? There's a lot of people trying to make a name for themselves, a lot of people trying to say things that will catch the eye of the media or get them some, you know, some saying that they can get replayed on television, some soundbite. 
And they're trying to increase their fundraising, increase their awareness. And it made for a very, um, like most of the debates are, they're not about getting to know the candidates. They're really about the network getting ratings and about the candidates trying to get a soundbite that gets repeated at a few places. So if the victor of the campaign, of the debate is the one who got the most applause and made the most sound bites, you would probably need to say Vivek Ramaswamy was the victor. Um, he was spouting one line phrases and one line verbal attacks throughout the debate. He interjected himself. He was referenced because he was so divisive and he was so um, attacking. He was referenced by many of the other candidates in their responses, which gave him 30 seconds to, uh, to respond to what they said, referencing him. And so he actually got, he didn't get the most airtime. I think my, Mike Pence got the most airtime, but Vivek Ramaswamy was on the, on the camera a lot and he was responding to a lot of things. Um, and it was, yeah, it was interesting to hear him. There were several uh, topics that they covered throughout the debate. Um, Climate change was one of them. Obviously, abortion was another. The rising violence uh, around the United States was one. They had a whole section on Donald Trump. They had a whole section on China. They had a whole section on Russia and the war in Ukraine. They had a whole section on education. Um, and they had a whole section on American exceptionalism. And I don't even know where to begin. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time this morning to go through all of this. And there's a ton of thoughts I have about this debate. But I'm wondering if anyone saw it. I'm going to check the chat here. Did anyone else watch the debate? Or am I the only one who, um, not the only one, but uh, it wasn't a massive ratings hit. But uh, um, if anyone else saw it, I'd love to hear your thoughts and what you thought of the debate when you watched it. I, I had a few thoughts. I Before I finished the debate this morning, I jotted down a few thoughts last night around the four topics I met, the first four topics I mentioned, which were climate change, abortion, the rising violence in our cities, and Donald Trump. They had, so let's talk about climate change first, right? So they had one question where they discussed climate change, and they had a young man um, who said, our generation is concerned about climate change, and what are you going to do to um, address our fears and the, the changing of our, our, our world's climate. And nobody answered the question, right? Everyone kind of freaked out and they started screaming at each other. <laughs> it was quite human. Nobody answered his question. Nobody addressed climate change. In fact, uh, um, Vivek Ramaswamy said client climate change is a hoax and it's just something to detract us and he's all for fracking, all for drilling, all for uh, doing everything we can to make ourselves uh, energy dominant again. And it was, it was a fascinating question, right? They asked a, a very legitimate question about the climate crisis, even of governors like Ron DeSantis, who today is about ready to receive a Category 3 hurricane. And they all, none of them could, could bring themselves to answer a question about what they would do about climate change. Um, they then, of course, asked about abortion. And this was a tricky one for the candidates, right? Because if you, if you follow national politics, right, most of the country 
is in favor of um, women having some right to autonomy of their bodies and being able to choose to have an abortion if they want to. Um, but the, the, the Republican Party has taken a hard line uh, to the right and is working to get an all-out ban of abortion, which is actually not even what their party wants, but it's, it's what they're driving for. And so the candidates were all trying to walk that tightrope where their party is absolutely trying to, um, to ban abortion at every level while the, the, the Republican members of the party, the people who are voting Republican, are actually saying, no, we want to have this right. Women have right to have some autonomy over their body. And so the candidates are trying to walk the line. And it was fascinating that probably the, the two candidates that, that came out the strongest in that section was um, Mike Pence, who started quoting scripture and talking about his religious beliefs, and then Nikki Haley, who said, I'm pro-life, but we have to deal with the reality, and this is where the American public is at today. And she took a much more moderate stance. And then everyone else just started screaming at each other. And so there was a lot of, it was, there, there was not, there was some decent discussion about that topic. But um, again, it's where the party is so out of touch with the general population of the country that it was hard even to, to have it. And it was, I think Mike Pence was actually the most disturbing of that because again, he started quoting scripture. Right. He started quoting the Bible. Now, I have you if you have a religious conviction coming from your faith and even defined by your holy books that says you want to fight for this or you believe this. Absolutely. You have right to believe that. But when you are when you are a candidate to be a president of the, the ruling, the, the, the not the ruler, but the, you know, the, the president of a of a pluralistic, diverse country using your holy scriptures as the basis for your policy is not healthy, right? I mean, this is what the boarding schools were. This is how America was founded. It, it, it drove the faith of the, of the settlers down the throats of native peoples, right? This is what they did. And here the, the Republican Party is doing the exact same thing. They're standing on scripture. They're, they're on stage spouting scripture and saying, this is why we need to do this. We have to get back to being a God-fearing country again and blah, blah, blah. And it's even though I'm a Christian, I have very strong beliefs about my faith and where they come from. When I ran for president, I pretty much told myself, yes, I'm running for president, but I'm not running to make my nation Christian. And if the only basis I have for a policy I want is what it says in the holy book and in, in the bible or in my holy book or in the bible then i probably shouldn't be advocating for that if i can't make a broader moral argument then i can't ask this entire country to bow their knee to my faith because this is what i believe rather i should be able to make a much more broader moral argument so anyway that was one of the one of the debates the next two I'm just going to mention recent, very quickly because I actually have uh, something I need to get on in just a few minutes. But um, they then talked about urban violence and shootings and violence and crime rising throughout our country. And, of course, everyone talked about law and order. Everyone uh, bemoaned the, the, the whole idea of defunding the police. 
and no one talked about how we have a gun ec epidemic in our nation, right? It was all, we need law and order, we need to, to um, enforce our laws, and we need to um, get back to becoming, uh, a, have a strong police presence. And what was fascinating about that was right after that, they asked about Donald Trump. And if he were convicted, would he, would they still support him? If he were convicted, um, found guilty, and yet still won the nomination, would they support him? And the general sentiment, there were a few on the extremes, but the general sentiment of the eight candidates were our criminal justice system has been weaponized. Donald Trump is being treated unfairly. And we would support him, right? There were a few on the extremes, but that was the general sentiment. And it was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating to hear them talk about the weaponization of the criminal justice system because Donald Trump, a white landowning male from the upper echelons of the 1%, was being accused of committing crimes and being held accountable. And now suddenly the criminal justice system is a weapon being used for political purposes. But when we're talking about violence on our streets and a gun epidemic and shootings and mass violence, now we just need to fund the police stronger and get more law and order in there. And this criminal justice system is great. And it was a fascinating way to watch them have that debate because, it, and I'm going to talk about this more. I have to, I have to get going here pretty quickly, but I'm going to talk about this more on Thursday, I think. But to understand what goes on, and this isn't just Republicans, the Democrats do the exact same thing. But if you don't understand the trauma of white America and the intentional denial that candidates need to be in in order to campaign to the American people to get elected, this stuff sounds like just, it's crazy, right? It makes no sense whatsoever. The world must watch our politics and say, what are these Americans doing? What are these people doing? But if you understand the trauma of white America, if you understand the way our nation is in an intentional state of denial, if you understand the way that we're trying to avoid so many of these topics, this stuff makes a whole lot more sense. But no one is aware. No one on that stage is even aware that they're traumatized. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love to have the Democrats come in. I would love in a presidential debate where they talk about the weaponization of the criminal justice and say, absolutely, right? And the Democrats aren't going to make this argument because it's not going to uh, satisfy their demographic either. But I would love to be on that stage and say, absolutely, our criminal justice system has been weaponized. Not You're just noticing it now because it's happening to Trump, right? But this is what's been happening to people of color since the, the criminal justice was created, right? Enslavement, slavery is legal within our criminal justice system. Absolutely, this system is a weapon. Absolutely, this thing has been used to carry out injustices throughout the history of our nation. We absolutely need to address that. But of course, no one is going to make that argument. No one's going to make that argument. And this is... This is the challenge with these debates. Anyway, my relatives, I know this is short and I have to leave you um, 
waiting to finish this conversation. I'm drinking my second cup of coffee, but I also have a few other meetings I need to run to today. And so I'm not able to finish the whole thought here, but I will come back on Thursday and I will have a, a more full discussion about the trauma of white America, about the rest of the debate and about what we need to do to engage better as citizens of this country when our leaders are so absolutely on. And I'm not just talking the right, please. This, this was a Republican debate. It was clearly on on able to be observed there, but the Democrats do this just as effectively as the Republicans do. And so don't let yourself off the hook if you're a Democrat thinking, oh yeah, if our party had done this, it'd be so much better. That's a lie. So, but this is national politics. And if you want to become president of this nation, you have to tell the white landowning men that both the Democrat and the Republican party, how exceptional they are. You have to feed into their denial of their own history. You have to have an intentional memory loss regarding what this nation was built on and buy into the lie that we used to be great or we are great and the other party is destroying our nation's greatness. It's a sad state of affairs, but that is the challenge we face right now. Anyway, I hope these things are helpful. Again, I'll come back on Thursday and we'll talk more about this debate. I'd love to hear your questions. Feel free to put them into the comments or to um, message me online. But I'd love to hear your feedback about some of this. And I'm looking forward to picking up the discussion on Thursday. So, yeah, my relatives, walk in beauty. And may we all learn how to walk in beauty together. Yeah, and hakone.